How many of you like the idea that we're going to work on our love walk? I know some people are like, well, hallelujah. Well, it is to our benefit. Faith works by love. Your faith isn't working. You might want to check up on your love walk. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I want to read this out of the Bible when we get started. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. When we start talking about love, start talking about working on our love walk, I want you to know this. The love of God has already been given to you. You're, you're fighting from victory. You've already arrived. That doesn't mean that your soul has. It doesn't mean you've got it worked out. It just means that you, you already, God is love and you were born of God, so you're born of love and you already have love in you. You're not trying to become love, but you are working on being more loving. Amen. Amen. Now, one of the things that Mark said to me when he was here, he started preaching on love on his uh, Bible school before he came, and I was watching him, and I said, God, he ought to do that when he gets here. Well, he did. Then he brought me up here and drug me up to his Bible school and wanted to ask me questions. I said, I'm still working on this, Mark. But one of the things that I noticed, and he made a statement, you're not going to be any better in anything you don't practice. And you and I are going to have to practice it because it's not natural for you. Your flesh is selfish. Mine's selfish. Yours is selfish. Kenneth Copeland's flesh is selfish. We're not talking about you being a self-centered person. It's just that's your flesh nature. And if you, if you lean to it, you're just going to be selfish all your life. And your faith's not going to work. Faith works by love. And so if the love of God is shed abroad in your heart... You, you and I are going to fight from victory. So I want you to go now to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's, I want to look at love for a few minutes, and I want to see, I want to give you a word here, and it's the word contrast. What I mean by that is that Paul, when he's writing 1 Corinthians, he begins to contrast what love is and what it isn't. I don't know about you, I have a hard time reading a, a scripture and understanding it if I can't see it. Yeah. I think pictures. Yeah. Do you? I, I, I don't think, when someone says dog, I don't think the word D-O-G. And then if I say collie and if I say lassie, well, then you automatically got a collie in your head and you've got the dog in your brain. But you're not thinking the, the word. You're thinking of the picture. God made us to think pictures. Now, we, if, if we don't have a picture of what love is, it's, there's a good chance you're not going to do it. Amen. Not that you're bad, it's just that you can't see it. I know, I know there's things that I thought were love and weren't. Until I got a picture and I went, wait a minute, now I'm seeing this. Um, if you think God is mad at you, that's the picture you have. You're going to be mad at everybody because you think you're like God. Amen. <laughs> Ask me how I know that. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and I have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, uh, if you talk in tongues and you don't walk in love, you're just noisy. 
And if I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries, how many mysteries? All. all mysteries and all knowledge and all faith and I could move mountains and I don't have love, I'm still nothing. Now, to a faith and word person, that's quite yeah. a scripture. Because we talk about moving mountains and everything all the time. Yeah. But yet God wants us to work on our love walk so it actually starts working. Well, I've been talking to mountains and ain't moving. Well, you might want to go back and work on your love walk. So, so then it, so it says love, love suffers long and is kind, and he begins to contrast love. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, go over there, just flip the page a little bit. 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with an unveiled face, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. Now, let me say this again, because you have to see it. There's something about seeing it. When I, when I see someone walking in love, I can look and go, okay, that makes sense. I understand that. But if I see someone not, I can see the difference. I've had people do things to me in a negative sense, and I didn't like it, and I learned from it and said, I'm not going to do that. Because now I see what that's like. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And I think what they're doing, if I do it, I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to see something. So it says that as you are looking into the perfect law of liberty, as you're looking at love, you are changed into the same image. So we've got to see what does it look like, what does it not look like. Amen. Is that fair? So we're going to study two kings in the Old Testament, Saul and David. Amen. Go to 1 Samuel 15. I've always enjoyed studying David's life. Um, and, I, and I like watching him and how he handles things. It has helped me to do what I need to do, 1 Samuel 15, but we're going to look at Saul first. 15.1. Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the Lord, uh, words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came from Egypt. And go now and attack Amalek and destroy all that they have. Do not spare them. Kill both man and woman, infant, nursing, child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now, when you read that, your first is, that's brutal. I mean, I don't, God, I don't understand this. You're a God of love and you're telling me to go kill, I mean, even the kids. All right, now you need to understand why God brings judgment on nations. Earlier in the Bible, he said, do not destroy the Amalekites. Their sin is not full. God will destroy a nation when they become so corrupt, they're corrupting the land and the people and everything around them. So what's happening in this nation now is, number one, homosexuality. Number two, bestiality, having sex with animals. Now, by now, by now, they have diseases 
that are spreading to their children and their grandchildren and the animals, everything they have is diseased. So what do you do with cancer? You say, well, that, I love that lung. You may have to cut it out because it's going to kill you. At some point, when a nation gets that bad, God, like Sodom and Gomorrah, God will just destroy it. Even though he loves them, he loves everyone else in the world too much to let it keep going on. Because one bad apple in a barrel will corrupt all the apples in the barrel. And so there's times you've got to remove what's bad. This is why God gave this commandment. So when you're reading it, you can't go, oh, that was terrible. I wouldn't have done it. So, we, you know, we we're going to read what Saul did, and sometimes you side with Saul and go, that's what I would have done. But really, God knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen? I heard someone make a statement one day. They were talking to the Lord, and they, and they said, it was pretty bad when you died on the cross. He said, my worst day of my existence in humanity is ahead of me. And they said, what do you mean? He said, I'm going to have to look at people and say, depart. And he said, that's going to be one really tough day. That's quite a, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Because he, it's no doubt that he loves people. Paid a price. But you know, he, uh, there's people on this planet, God don't want them up there messing heaven up. Dr. Seuss will be there. And everybody don't like him, will not. You know, one day, we need to talk about heaven and hell. We need to talk about it. Right now, on an average, eight out of ten people in the earth don't make heaven. Do everybody that calls themselves Christians? No. No, they don't. That's one day we need to talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness. Don't die full of unforgiveness. I mean, the Bible's pretty plain about it. Amen. So sometimes we do need to talk to people because sometimes we need a healthy fear of God. No, he's not playing a game with us. He wants us to make it. Amen. Amen. He loves us, but he can't change. Okay. Verse 4, and Saul gathered the people together, numbered them. Uh... Verse 8, he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to destroy them. But every despised and worthless things they destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, verse 11, I regret I have set Saul up as king. He has turned back from following me and not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night long. Now we understand, we're going to see here, and I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Saul is a people pleaser. What does that make him not? He's not a God pleaser. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's, let's, let's go here for just a second. You will never please God until you decide you're going to do it. You will not automatically do it. 
you're going to have to open your Bible and go, what does, what, do, what does this book say so that I know I'm pleasing God? Now, Saul did not. And the thing is, is that he kind of didn't care. All right. Verse 12. When Samuel arose in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he's up on the monument. He has set up a monument for who? Three people reading himself. Look at what I did. And he has gone around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said, Blessed are you, the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And, Samuel, and Saul said, they, he's fixing to blame the people. They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we've utterly destroyed. Well, who's the king? Who's leading them? All right, now we're going to see something here, and this is where I want you to go. Now, remember we started off, love of God is shed abroad in your heart by God the Holy Ghost. But right now in America, there's a lot of blaming going on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something right now. As long as someone else is your problem, you're not obeying God. Well, it's the woman you gave me. I tried that once myself. I was doing good until the woman you gave me came along, Jesus. Are y'all seeing where he's missing this? And Samuel said to Saul, be quiet or shut up. I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? Did not the Lord anoint you? Who put you here? God put you here. You're, you, you need to remember how you got here. See, as a born-again Christian, you, you need to stop someday and go, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm alive unto God. Thank God Jesus died for me and paid my debts. As long as you start thinking you're doing it, going to be some arrogance there. That's why the love. That's why Christians don't walk in love. You actually think you're helping Jesus, or you got a little bit of part to play in how you got where you are. You did not. Amen. Without me, you can do nothing. We need to remember that, yeah. or you'll or you'll stop loving God. Okay, boy, don't get quiet on me. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they're consumed. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Have you ever been seen someone get corrected and they do no wrong? I mean, you read a scripture to them and they don't do anything wrong. 
I ain't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. How do you repent if it isn't you? Now, the good news is we're reading about Saul, but aren't you glad we're under the new covenant where we have 1 John 1, 9, and we can go to God and go, I missed it, I need to be forgiven and washed in the blood, amen? And say, the Romans 8 says, who, who, who? If God is for me, who could be against me? Say who. who? Say again, who? who? Are you all trying to act like Dr. Seuss? All right, never mind. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I went on the mission which the Lord sent me. And I brought back King Agag. And I destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder of the sheep and all the best of things. And it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And being utterly destroyed to sacrifice the Lord in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and heed than the fat of the rams. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He's rejected you from being king. Now, why am I reading that? Has, did he lose his salvation? People always ask me, did he lose his salvation? I don't know. But I'm not talking about that right now. The Bible says you and I reign in the earth as kings. We reign as kings in the earth. You will never reign apart from obedience. Amen. And you're going to have to actually go read a Bible to find out what pleases God. Amen. If you don't, don't come around and ask me why it isn't working. Everybody wants someone to pray a prayer for you and get an answer for you that you're too lazy to do it yourself. Or oh, don't shout me down. Man, I shouldn't have used that word. That wasn't love. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Let me just read this. Love endures wrong and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor bowls over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. Didn't we just see that? It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. It's not touchy, fretful, resentful takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, sometimes you need to read this in the light of reading the Word of God. And I'm not reading this about Samuel other than for you and I to look at it and go, hmm, i got to remember not to do this. That's really all I'm after. You need a contrast of what love doesn't look like. You need to be able to read and go, that didn't go well. If I do that, it won't go well for me either. When God gives you something. So I have people all the time say, well, we won't be there for the next week. We'll be out making money. God don't want you to support a church you don't go to. Why would you disobey God to put money in the church? He's not in, you're, you're the one interested in money, not him. He's got money. 
But see, we often will use things and say, I'm doing this for the Lord. And it, you're not. You're doing it for yourself. Easiest thing in the world is to start compromising truth. And the church right now in America is in the middle of a massive compromise. Is homosexuality. Listen, why would a God of love write a book where it hates people? Why can't we read scriptures? How can the word of God be hate? I don't hate people. But I'll tell you what, I love them enough to show that to you so you don't go to hell. That's love. When I, you need to learn to listen to scriptures that, that you may not like them. You may, you know, I, I, I got to just do this before we get over on David because we're going to go positive here. We got to go stay negative just a minute. I want you to understand if you go to a church that loves God, you're going to hear commandments, the commandments of God. Stop, stop judging a sermon by how it made you feel. That sermon, I didn't feel, I didn't feel God in there. I felt terrible. Well, that might have been God. Yeah. You might have sat in the church and just felt terrible. Might be the best thing to happen to you all week. But see, this is why we have a problem in America because preachers, I know, I know pastors who won't even use the S words. I'm using sin, not sex. S words, sin, from the pulpit. You know, we need to talk to young people about fornicating. We need to talk about homosexuality. We need to talk about abortion. We need to talk about uh, adultery. We need to talk about lust. Because you're having problems with your kids because you won't let me preach it. You say, well, we're not stopping you. Yeah, you are. Because every time I do, you put the brakes on, and next Sunday you don't come back. Because you didn't feel good. Well, it's your fault you're sinning. If you're living for God, there's not anything in this book that make you feel bad. And the ones that do make you feel bad, you needed to hear it. I, I read scriptures I don't like on purpose. I listen to tapes I don't like on purpose. I went and got Keith Moore's tapes on humility. Let me just tell y'all something. It's not about humility. It's about pride. You can't call a tape series Overcoming Pride. No one would buy it. I'm going to tell you something. He ate my lunch. I hated every moment of that series. I listened to one CD, and, and right when I got to the end of it, I thought, dear God, Lisa needs to listen to this. <laughs> And right when I said that, he said, now don't say right now your spouse needs to listen to this. That's pride. And I went, shut up, Keith. <laughs> but he gets on all kinds of stuff. How are you ever going to change if you don't know you did anything wrong? Do you know right from wrong? Do you know right from wrong? Amen. If you're mature, you love it. Amen. All right, now let's change. Let's change directions here. Um, 1 John 3, and then we'll go to 1 Samuel 24. So don't lose your place here in Samuel. You can turn to 1 Samuel 24 if you want to, and just we'll look it on the screen if you want, if you want to do that. 
that will be fine with me. 1 Samuel 24. Now, you know, after I just started talking about living right, did you notice how quiet it got in this church? Why? Why did y'all go quiet? It's still quiet. Y'all didn't. Uh You know, Lisa and I, kids, they've, they've never figured out that mommy and daddy do not have eyes in the back of their head. They've never figured it out. But when you walk in the house and three boys are quiet, they're doing something wrong. And they're sitting on the couch, hands folded, looking sweet. There's sin in the room. Somebody's been in the cookie jar. You boys been in the cookie jar? Who told? Nobody told. But when you're acting like an angel, and everybody knows you're not. Now, if we came home and they were fighting, we'd know nobody's been in the cookie jar. 1 John 5, 3, let's read this. This is the love of God, read it with me, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Loving God and obeying God are synonymous terms. Loving God, obeying God is synonymous if you want your faith to work, you need to work on your love walk. A lot of times you're, you're praying about healing. You don't need healing. <laughs> you need to get your love walk straightened out. Brother Hagen made a statement. He says, anytime that, my, that I prayed and, and my prayers did not get answered, I went back to 1 Corinthians 13 and see where I had missed it. Good word. Amen. Because if you keep the love walk, you have kept the whole law. That's pretty good Christian. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, having said that, let's go to 1 Samuel 24. Verse 1. It happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that he was told him, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And Saul took 3,000 men to go look for one guy. (laughs) Must be a threat. That kind of reminds me of... um, Washington, D.C. the other day. They want to put a fence up to protect them from who? Trump? And the, and the soldiers, Trump put them in the hotel to take care of them. Oh, isn't that funny? Absolutely hilarious. And Saul took 3,000 chosen men from Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs, and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, we're going to stop right here because, you know, they, they told David, Go kill him. What does the New Testament say to do to your enemies? All right, now let's talk about David for just a minute. I said this a while ago, and I'm going to say it again, and I want you to pay attention. We know that God is grooming David to be the king, don't we? Did you know that David does not have that on his mind? 
what is David thinking about? First of all, he's thinking about the fact that somebody's trying to kill him. But I want you to understand that when, when God chose David, David was a shepherd. What is the lowest job in all of Israel? The shepherd. Shepherds were despised. They were lower than garbage collectors. They were the lowest of the low. Nobody want, bragged on being a shepherd. On the Christmas story, the reason that God skipped over Israel and went and talked to the shepherds is God's always been interested in the down and outer more than the guy in Jerusalem that's sitting around having all their Christmas parties. And the shepherds out there watching sheep and doing their job, and God decided to put on a performance for these guys. When Jesus tw chose 12 men, he didn't go to find the elite. He, f he found the low of the low. And when he found you, he did the same thing, found the low of the low. Amen. So David is a shepherd, and when Samuel came to the house of David's father, which was one of the poorest houses in all of Bethlehem, all of Ju Judah down there. He came to the, one of the poorest families. That even though they were all poor, none of the people even in that family recognized David. So when Samuel said, you know, Samuel comes down and says, I've come to anoint one of your sons. He brings all of his sons out and Samuel goes, well, he's not here, and his father's looking around going, I mean, I brought the soldier to you. I, I brought the, the good-looking ones to you. I brought the smart ones to you. And he says, well, there's another one, and they all went. Oh, no, not David. <laughs> David is the black sheep of the family. He's the one. They don't even, they don't even talk about him. And when they brought him in... Samuel anointed him, and I want you to get this picture. When he got through anointing him, David just went back and took care of the sheep. He really had no idea what just happened. He's, he's a shepherd. That's what he thought. I'm just a shepherd. I'm, he's, he's, I'm a nobody. So he goes out and takes care of the sheep. He didn't go to, to, to the battle to fight Goliath. He went to take his brother's food. Yeah. And that's when he heard and went, I don't know. I think somebody ought to knock this guy's head off. And that's when we read the story of Goliath. But David was not there to kill Goliath. He's just there taking cheese and bread to his brothers. And then he was going to go back home, take care of the sheep. He's not promoting himself. He's not doing anything to get on. To, I'm, I'm anointed king. And by God, if Samuel Saul comes down here, I'm going to cut his by God head off. He's out after me. He ain't after me. You don't do that to me. That's not going on in David. David's just trying to, trying to live. So Samuel brings 3,000 men to kill him. And, and I want you, what we're going to read right now is because we're talking about love. Say, we're talking about love. All right, you're going to see love here. It happened afterwards, David's heart bothered him because he had cut off Saul's robe. Now, what I'm going to show you right now is um, there's a scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. All David wanted to do was please God. That's, that's the punchline. All David ever wanted to do was please God. He sees the king as the king, and he sees himself as a nobody. He doesn't see. He's 
All right, now we're going to read love in a minute, and you're going to have to understand love's going to take humility. You're going to have to stop thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You didn't get you where you are. When a Christian, whole goal in life is to obey God, God will take you up. But Saul's goal was to please himself, and God took him down. Now, David, I don't know if he knew this or not, but you're going to read here the way David treated a man even trying to kill him. And then you're going to, we're going to read in the Bible, love your enemies, do good to those that, you know, despitefully use you. I used to have a saying, don't get mad at me. You know, you know I, I, that scripture, you know, someone slaps you on the cheek. I said, I only have two. Right. <laughs> Slap them both, but the third one, I'm going to take you out. That's not love. Thank you all. That's actually arrogance. I'm doing pretty good. I need a little bit more of a hallelujah, amen. Thank you, Lisa. It happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he cut off the king's robe. Now, when I read this, I thought, wouldn't have bothered me to cut his robe off. Well, that's the difference in David's heart and mind. Thank you all. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid... I should do this thing to my master. He's not joking. He he actually sees this man as his authority and he still respects him and he still honors him. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he's the anointed of the Lord. And David restrained his servants with these words, and he did not allow them to rise against Saul. And he got up from the cave, and he went on his way. And David arose afterwards and went out of the cave, and he said, My Lord, the king. Look at what he's about to do. And when Saul looked, behold, David stooped with his face to the earth, and he bowed down. This is someone trying to kill him. You don't know what they did to me. Don't shout me down. Boy, I'm going to tell you what, I ain't going to put up that one more time. Yeah, you are, too. Yeah, you are. Are y'all ready? Remember I told you you need a story so you can read it, and now it makes sense. Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. I didn't think you'd like that. Uh, not even going to talk to me about that. You ain't, you ain't doing it again. I'll slap you upside your ugly head and then pray for you and tell God you died. <laughs> this is not love. Love meekly and patiently. See, when you read this, you're like, this is why Mark threw the book across the room. Who could do this? Love is kind, it's gentle, it's benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature, mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere. Love does not raise its voice. Love does not, see, listen, let's, 
I got to find, I got to. Love does not force itself on others. It isn't me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It does not keep score of other people's sins. Say, thank you, David. Now, you understand, we're going to see why God used David and why David became the king. If you want to reign as a king in life, do you want to reign? Go back. Now, I'm going to finish reading this, but I want you to keep this in your mind. If God is for me, if God is for me, I'm going to read it in the Daryl Morgan translation. And it's a good translation. If God's for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. I understand they don't like me, but that don't matter. I understand that they want to do me harm, but I'm going to tell you it don't matter. You see, until you've accepted God loves you, you will never be loving. Because if God is on your side, no one can hurt you, but you're going to have to walk in love. Brother Hagin made a statement. He said, if they accused me of killing my mother, I wouldn't even bother denying it. You know he's been called, uh, uh, faith churches have been called cults. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I mean, I mean it just, I mean, the, the church world has been brutal with all, all Brother Hagin ever did was just obey God. Yeah. We, we go into a service and people are getting healed and you've got Christians writing hate articles about it and he never one time defended himself. Never defended himself. Why would he need to? Is he obeying God? No need to say a word to anybody. Now I don't know whether that helps you or not. I had a time in my life when I thought I needed to make sure everybody understood you're wrong. That's That's called strife. I had a man say to me not too long ago, he says, Pastor Morgan, you are mean. (laughs) And you know, I've just been reading this book. I'm I'm standing there going, "Eh, thank you, Jesus, that I was just reading this book. Because I would have said something to this punk, this guy. And I said, well, you just don't know me very well. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not going to get in the mud with this guy. And who's he anyway? The people don't like you. Who are they? I, I want to say something about the news. Who are they? I mean, at what point did someone make you important? Reporting what's happening and creating the news is not the same thing. And we don't want your opinion. Never mind. Come on back. Let's go back to David now. And David said to Saul, why are you listening to words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered me today into your hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, and my eye spared you. I'm not harming him. And I said, I'll not stretch out my hand against my Lord. He is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, 
Wow, look at the honor. Wow. Look at the honor. Yeah. Love your enemies. What you bless can't harm you. True. I didn't say bless them out. I said bless them. Thank y'all. I said that for Kenny's sake, and I just. <laughs> Moreover, my father, see, see the corner of your robe is in my hand, in that I cut off the corner of your robe and didn't kill you. There's no evil or rebellion in me. I, I haven't sinned against you. Why do you hunt me? Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me, and my hand on the, I'm not going to be against you. I won't fight with you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand will not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come? Are you looking for a dead dog and a flea? He's not joking. He's, he's asking a legitimate question. Why are you? I'm not anybody for you to bother. All right, now listen. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you. You, you don't have to do anything to get to the top. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the less you do, the better off you'd be. When God wants to promote you, you're going to get promoted. And when he wants you to take a job at work and when he wants you to get a raise, you're going to get a raise. You don't need to fight with people. You don't need to run around worrying about what everybody in the world's doing. Just take care of you. Well, wouldn't the world be sweet if everybody just said, well, I'm just going to take care of me. And the biggest problem you've got is you. Matter of fact, I showed Lisa this on Facebook yesterday. I was looking at it. And uh, it was a schoolroom. And it says, I want you to see the picture of the person who's responsible for your grades. And it was a mirror. <laughs> and another one was your attitude. And it was a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your success. And your success. It was a mirror. <laughs> In other words, if you don't like where you are, change you. Amen. 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 Oh, boy, that'll go real good. Therefore, let the Lord be judged between you and me and see I... I plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. And, and so it was when David finished speaking these words of Saul, Saul said, is that your voice, my son David? What happens when you retaliate with kindness to your enemy? Jesus says you heap coals of fire on them. Lisa and I have a saying in our house, when someone does us wrong, and, and, and I always go, well, well, let's just kill them. And then I finish it with kindness. That means we're probably going to go out and buy them a gift. We're going to do something nice because they're only harming themselves. They're not harming me. But that keeps my heart right. So if you've ever heard me threaten to kill you, you're probably going to get a gift in the mail. <laughs> and he said to David, you are more righteous than I. You have rewarded me with good, whereas I rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. And when the Lord delivered me in your hand, you didn't kill me. And if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you've done. And now I know indeed you will be king. Whoa. Whoa. Come on, y'all. 
We need to do a little Holy Ghost. We need to do a love dance. This is the key up. This is the key up. This is the key to healing. This is the key to health. And I'm going to tell you a secret. You're not going to arrive unless you buy one and keep it in front of your face. (laughs) Every day. Every day. I woke up one morning, Mark said, Read a love book this morning. I said, yes, sir. He said, good. In other words, he's trying to say to me, I need it. Right. <laughs> now, what does Proverbs 12 one say about those who are corrected? If you don't like correction, you're stupid. I'm not stupid. I might be ignorant, but I ain't stupid. <laughs> are y'all enjoying this? So, anyway. Um. How am I doing? Oh, man, I'm out of time. One more story real fast. Do you remember when David later came to his town and his wife was taken, his family was taken, his children were taken, and they burned the city? And the Bible says that all of the men spoke of stoning David. They're mad at David. What did David do? He got on his face and he sought God. Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Here's a man that the only thing he ever did in his life, and I want you to look at one more scripture. Let's put it up on the screen. Um, Acts 13, 21. And we'll close with this. Are y'all enjoying this? Amen. Afterward, oh, that's not it. I have found David, the son of Jesse, no, no, a man after my own heart. David was not perfect. David was not a perfect man. God's not asking you to be perfect. I'll tell you, there's a difference in you being perfect and you having a perfect heart. The greatest thing you'll ever do in your life is make up your mind, am I pleasing God? That's all, just am I, how am I doing with God? That's all that you need to do. There's too many Christians right now that have a, I'm a Christian and I don't have to do all that other stuff, that's legalism. It's not legalism. Obeying God's not legalism. And you'll never do it. You'll never pay, you'll never do this. This is too hard. Until the day you go, I just want to please God. And, and, and that's why it says love is patient and kind. It, it says it suffers a long time. You walk in love, your flesh is going to suffer. Because you're, you're not going to keep doing always what you want to do. You're not going to retaliate. You're not going to get in fights. You're not going to scream and holler. Amen. Thank you for your goodness. Amen. Amen. Last week I made a statement and I'm going to ask you to do it with me. We could be known as a church for a lot of stuff. But one of the earmarks on almost every card that we get from visitors, that's the lovingest bunch of people I've ever been around. That's quite a statement about a church. If you and I are going to walk in love, you're going to work at it. Thank y'all. Say I 
am going to work at walking in love. When we walk in love, we have fulfilled the law. If you fulfill the law, he says, I'll take sickness from the midst of you. Instead of working on your healing, won't you work on your love walk? Just the fact that you start will get God's attention enough to start answering prayers though you haven't arrived. God's not going to wait for you to arrive in your love walk to start ask, answering your prayer. Just the fact that you turned your heart toward God, He will take notice of that. Now let's talk about Saul a minute. Saul didn't have 1 John 1, 9. We do. When I read Saul, sometimes I go, am I stubborn? Am I rebellious? And if I see it, I go, Father. And I go to 1 John 1, 9, and I go, I need to get that under the blood. Please forgive me for acting that way. I shouldn't have been so stubborn. I'm going to be like David. I'm going to quit being so haughty. I'm going to quit being so arrogant. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it's been quite a week or two. And Lisa will tell you, I think he's doing a lot better than he used to. When I go and get around large groups of people, I pray a lot and read my book a lot before I leave. How am I going to answer or not answer at all or say at all? And how am I going to talk to this person? You study, study how you're going to answer and talk. Study how you're going to carry yourself. You're fixing to talk to your spouse. Study how you're going to talk. Think about what you're fixing to say. Kind of tough calling stuff back. Oh, sorry, please forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I think our spouses are tired of hearing that. I think they'd like to see we're actually working on it. You ready to pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I pray over this church, even though they're very quiet right now. I don't know why. If it was me, I'd be jumping and hollering and shouting that you have called us to be kings and priests unto God and that we rule and reign in the earth. And you want us to rule and reign. You want us to have a good life. You said he who would have a good life, keep our tongue from evil and, and forsake sin. Father, I pray that every one of us in this room would, would, would begin to pick up the mandate of loving God and loving our neighbors, ourselves, and loving other people. Father, it is a great benefit to us. We can see in David, you exalted him and you made him a king. You took the kingship away from the guy that didn't act right. And I pray that we would read that today and go home and go, I learned something today about the way I ought to act. And I pray that every one of us will walk out of here and, and make the adjustments we need to. And we'll be making adjustments up until the time we see you in the clouds. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I went 11 over. You can forgive me now or later, but, but forgive me, you must, because that would not be very loving. You got this? Praise the Lord. Now would be good, right? Hallelujah. I love this verse, Romans 10, 13. It says, love does no harm to his neighbor. Love's the fulfillment of the law. So before you say something or do something, what I helps me always ask yourself is what I'm about to say and what I'm about to do and what I'm about to act like, 
Is it going to cause harm and work ill to the other person? And that'll like cut you up short and go, okay, I don't think I want to say it that way. Amen. There's times that the, the truth is to be spoken. Things have to be dealt with. But ask yourself, is what I'm about to do getting ready to work harm to this person, whether you like them or not? Amen. Praise the Lord. Romans 10, 13. So earlier, I'm just going to throw this out to you for all of you business people that can do math well in your heads. There was the, the uh, price thrown out last week, or was it last week, of 257 and now he threw it out because I told him 245 because I didn't tell him this yet, but he knew it, he just forgot. I started it off and paid 10 grand. So that dropped it to what? 257 to 247. It's 245. I made a building payment. 2000 of that went to, you know, interest or, or whatever principal. So now it's a 245. So I'm still going to be making the building payment, but I put $10,000 down. Um, the church paid principal. And so we just kicked it off. And that's why I threw the 245 out. Hallelujah. And it's getting ready to go lower. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you. I believe the building will be paid off in less than six months. Less than six months. And I thank you for it. And we give you praise and glory. And everybody said amen.
morning. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your voice and thank Him this morning. You are so good to me. You are so good to me. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. You are so good. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Come on, praise Him. You are worthy. The Bible says, He that spared not His own Son, how shall He not with Him? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him, everybody say with Him, freely, Give us all things. Say, God is fighting for me. He loves me. He doesn't love me because of how good I am. He loves me because of how good he is. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. 
just say this with me if God before me who can be against me oh hallelujah
shoulder. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's in there whether you feel like it or not. And I want you to see, I love you. Good, amen. 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 <laughs> well, we just like to welcome all of our first-time guests. Hey, if this is your first time here, we encourage you, uh, come back. Don't let it be your last time. Find out who you are in Christ. Let's get established in the things of God, amen, and do something for the kingdom. Hey, we also have a free gift for you out at the information booth out there. If you just stop by there on your way out, uh, that gift is waiting for you. Are you ready for some announcements? Welcome to Word of Life Church, where our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians, and we do this by loving God, loving people, and loving life. My name is Megan, and these are this week's announcements. Churchwide prayer is tonight at 6 o'clock, so be sure to come bring your supply as we come together and pray collectively. Ambassador students, we will be doing class online only this Tuesday, so be sure to watch out for the link in your email. We will resume class in person the following Tuesday, so we'll see you there. Man, I just wanted to remind you, this Saturday, March the 13th at 9 o'clock a.m., we're going to have our men's breakfast, so we'll see you there. Sunday, March 21st, will be our leadership meeting, so leaders, see you at 6 p.m. 
Attention seniors, we will be having a seniors fellowship at Perkins the last Sunday of the month, March 28th, after second service at 12.30. See you there. March 16th through the 18th at 7 p.m., our former tour guide, Aaron Yahoff, is coming to do a three-day seminar on Old Testament, New Testament, and Modern Israel. We encourage you to come. You definitely don't want to miss this. We have three ways to give. One, you can raise your hand in the air, and an usher will be more than happy to give you an envelope. Please make sure that you're filling out the envelope completely. Two, you can go to our website at wolapopka.com and click the Give Now button. Three, you can text the word GIVE to 833-988-3852. Please silence your cell phones and enjoy the service. Are you all ready to give? Yes. All right, we've got to talk. We've got to talk. Are you all ready to pay off the building? Yes. All right, let me give you the 411. Y'all like 411, right? Okay, we owe 245000 and that's not a lot of money. That's actually a house. A house. And um, we only paid 125000 for the land we're on, which is great. I don't know, how, I don't know what it's worth now. It's got to be worth several million. So having said that, I, I have it in my heart to, to pay this thing off. Now, if you'll listen to me, it'll be very easy. And one of the good things is we have all the money we need, but the bad news is it's in your pocket. So um, we've, already been, we've already received up until now, and I don't know about this morning, $4,250 toward the payment. What I'm doing is, is, is I'm looking for about 120 people to give me 1000 bucks. That's, that's all I need. And, and, and every time you give me 1000 I'll match your money. Amen. Now, if you want to give five, I'm not going to stop you. Oh, we're, matching, we're matching all money, yeah. even $5. Oh, yeah. If you give $5, we match that we too, match not everything. just 1000 So whatever you give, put building on it, and don't give your tithe toward the building. That's defeating the principle, right? Okay. All right. So having said that, I want to pay this off, and I'm going to tell you why I want to pay it off. Um, I don't trust Washington, D.C. a lot, not even a little bit. I'd like to own my own building because... I don't want them throwing something at this church and tell, you know, because I, personally, now y'all don't get mad at me, I don't believe the city or the county or the state has a right to create laws. Amen. Amen. And, and if they create a law that's against the Constitution, they're not allowed to do that. And I know a lot of people running around saying, well, you know, there's a pandemic going on. If there is, I'd like to know where it is. I haven't seen any sign of it anyway. So having said that, I know that sounds like a rebellion to you, but you don't have to obey unconstitutional, ungodly laws. Amen. How are you going to preach the gospel if you don't get people? And people need people. You need, first of all, we don't need to cover your face up. You need to, we need to see it. We need to see your beautiful smile. Amen. So having said that, in the days ahead, I'm leaving my doors open. If you don't want to come to church, you can stay home. But that's because you're an American and you have the right to do that, but don't tell me. So if the mask works, cover your face. You don't have to cover mine to keep you healthy, just cover yours to keep you healthy. Don't get mad at me, just don't, don't get too mad. So having said that, I wanna pay the building off. I wanna own this building. I don't want anybody coming along and going, you know, those church over there has got a big hunk of nice property, and hello, I'd like to just own it, and I believe that in the next few months, we can pay this thing off. Amen. 
I believe if all of us throw our weight in behind this. So having said that today, um, you know, uh, I'm giving a thousand knowing that the church is going to match it. And, uh, and so I'll do that, you know, when Lisa and I get in there and write a check or however we do it. I don't know how she does it. All I know is that my checkbooks get smaller and she's been tithing. Amen. But it will grow. Amen. It's a good thing. So having said that, I want, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over your finances. And I want to pray over your days ahead. No matter what is coming at this nation, you and I are not of this. We're of a different world. We have a kingdom not of this world. Our income is not based on the country you live in. If, if you go to Africa, your income's based on America because you're an American. You're a Christian, your income's based on Christ, not the United States of America. So I want to pray over your income. I want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for every giver in this church. Thank you for all the people in this church. And I ask you to bless both gift and giver. And we call the church paid for. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Somebody hit play. Your love never fails and never gives up. Before we get in the Word of God, I have to, uh, I, I want to, I want to pay my respects to Dr. Seuss. May I read a Seussism? It's a new Seussism. Forget cancel, cancel culture. I think it's a sham. I do not like it. Uncle Sam I am. Ignoring achievements in the name of the woke and cause more divisions with fires they stoke. Take history out of context is now the new game, not looking for justice, some, just someone to blame. Today it's a book, so watch what you do one day in the future. They may counsel you. Cance, cancel you. Okay. All right, okay. That's, an, you know, I got one more. Y'all ready? Now, I have a, we have a policy in this church. If, the long, the, if you don't get excited about what I say, we keep you longer. I do not like your mental haze. I do not like your leftist ways. I do not like your son on blow. I don't like you, Mr. Joe. <laughs> now, now, here's the big one. This, this, this is, now, I don't understand this because this, if y'all want to, see, you got to laugh. The content was checked by another post by independent fact checkers, and this is not true. Some people just don't have anything to do. So uh, the doctor says his little poem was checked with fact checkers and 
someone didn't like it. Poor baby. If y'all aren't laughing, you need to start. Don't get sad at what's going on. There is a God, and he's up there laughing, and we're going to laugh with him. Are y'all ready for the word? All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. We're talking about love lately because we need it. I know Che needs it. Steve needs it. Shirley Bratton, she don't need it. She's just loving. She's a loving lady. You know, the other day when Mark uh, came, before he came, um, I watched him on his Bible school, and he was preaching on love. And when he got finished, I kind of looked at my, my phone and I went, I hope he does that when he comes, because I need this. And when he came, he preached on love, and then he looked at me and said, you know you need this. I said, Mark, I prayed you'd preach on this. I'm not afraid to look at you and tell you that my love walk's not where it needs to be. But I want it to be better. I, I understand that faith works by what? Love. love. You want your faith to work? You might want to work on your love walk. So I'm going to say this to you. I want you to think about this. You're going to have to work on it. Even that, I'm going to show you a scripture. Aren't you glad that love of God is shed abroad in the heart? Aren't you glad that we're born of love? God is love and we're born of God. And uh, that's what Romans 5 says. Let's just go ahead and read that. Romans 5, 5. I'm not there. I got to go. I got the fastest Bible in the East. Romans 5, 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint. The love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit has given to us. The good news is we're not at the bottom rung of the ladder trying to get to the top. God placed us on the top. And the love of God is in us so we can do this. Everybody say, we can do it. That's good news for me. Because if I was going to try to become more loving, it might be a very difficult thing. But understanding that God has placed that love in me, I know it's in there. I have seen signs of it occasionally. I hope you have too. I've seen signs in some of y'all too. You, sometimes I see the love in you and I go, oh, glory, there's a God. So we see that God did give us love, and we are love. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, but, but, but when we start studying love, love must be contrasted. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I have never been able to understand or obey a scripture I can't see. Now, what do I mean by that? See, if I said the word dog... You do not see D-O-G. You see a dog. Now, if I got more, more detailed and I said lassie, you see a collie. But you don't see L-A-S-S-I-E. You see a dog. God gave you and I the ability, we see pictures. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time obeying a scripture. I can't see it. I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. So God gave us contrast or Bible stories so we could see the story and go, oh, that's how you don't act. That's how you do act. And once you see it in the Bible, then you can look at your own life and go, 1 John 1, 9 needed here. I need to make an adjustment. Amen? So in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is going to start off by contrasting what love is and what it is not. And so when I read this book, there are certain 
things in here that I read and go, I don't even know. You know, Lisa asked me the other day, she said, do you even know what that word means? And I went, no. You know, ostentatious. Well, ostentatious. What's ostentatious? So anyway, so, so I want to see it. I want to be able to con- compare how am I doing. Okay. So it says in 13.1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I don't have love, I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Now, in a charismatic tongue-talking devil chasing holy rolling church, that's a big scripture. Because we, take a, we, we make a big deal, and we should, about the fact that we're spirit-filled and we pray in, a, in the Holy Ghost. But he makes a statement here for us that if you speak in tongues and you're not walking in love, you're really just making noise. And so when I read that, I go, hey, Shandai, I need to walk in love. All right. The number two, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand how many mysteries? All. And have how much knowledge? All. That's, that's, to a faith church, that's, that's huge. Because we, we often read our Bibles and talk about it's, you know, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And we make a big deal out of the time in the service where we open up our Bibles and we're learning more knowledge. I've always been that way. But I want to tell you, I have not made love predominant. In other words, I've always believed in it, I've always read it, I've always done it, but I've never made it number one. In other words, I've always, now one of the things Mark said to me, and he had a lot of talks with me. Some of y'all going, hallelujah. But you know, Mark and I have a lot of the similar personalities. And it's real easy for someone who's a go-getter, a driver, a depersonality, to get out of love. And some of y'all think that the, you know, the wimpy people are, you might be as far out of love as me. Amen. Amen. You may be. So anyway, having said that, Mark and I had a few talks. And you know, it's okay for someone to look at your life and go, you might want to work on that. Don't get offended. Just make an adjustment. Amen. So I had to make a few adjustments and I'm still making them. And I want all of us, because of this, I started realizing as I got older that my love walk had more to do with my health and my prosperity than anything else. And then I looked back and went, hmm, you know what I think is the biggest health hazard to you is worry. You know that? I think there's a lot of sinning saints and we don't really think that we're doing anything wrong. We call it caring. But yet you're carrying a lot of weight on your shoulders. And you need to just give it to God and let him be God. So, so having said that, there's a lot more. Brother Hagen made this statement. He said, anytime I didn't get my prayers answered, and I always went back and looked at my love walk. All right, now this is not for sissies. This is for real men. If you're just a half a man, this book's not for you. You know what a whole man is? A holy man. You know what an unholy man is? A half a man. Because you don't have the character to be a real man. Lead your family, walk with God, and be a light in the world. Amen. Thank you, men. Hallelujah. I know it's not Father's Day. All right. So having said that, 
he's contrasting what love is. It says, although I give my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned and I have not love, it profits me nothing. We're going to learn something in a minute here because we make a big deal in this church about prosperity also. God is not interested in your money as much as he is you. He'd like to have, he didn't die on the cross so you could give him some money. He wants you to give him you. He wants you. He wants to see you. Thanksgiving and Christmas around my house. I want to see my kids and my grandkids. Don't, the gifts, the best gift you'll give me is walk in. I want to see your face. So God wants to see your face sometimes. Go, Dad, I love you. I love you too. Come on, give me a hug. Amen. So having said that, I want to, I want to um, go to 2 Corinthians 3 now. I want to contrast love. And I'm, now I'm going to show you why we're doing this. Powerful, powerful scripture here. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed or changed into the same image from the glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The, what he's saying here is the Bible is a mirror and when you see yourself in it, you become that. The only way to change anything in your life is to see it. And then when you stare at it, you become what you're looking at. Very dangerous to look at the negative side of life all the time. Very dangerous to do. Don't do it. Get off Facebook, put it away, get your Bible out, get in there, get something positive going in your mind, going in your soul. I'm going to contrast in a moment two kings in the Old Testament, King Saul and King David, and I, I want you and I to look at how it's done wrong and how it's done right. I'm not preaching on Saul so you can leave feeling condemned. But you're going to see a little bit of that in you. All of us... Saul is not just a type of an Old Testament uh, sinner. He's also a type of flesh. And all of us in this room, we have tendencies to flesh out at times. So I want to see, see, even though I'm reading love is patient, love is kind, hard, and those of us do it wrong, sometimes they're just words. I need a story. I need a picture in my mind. I want to see somebody living it. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Mark Hankins. I, I love Mark Hankins. Mark walks in love. Now, you hang around him any length of time, you'll notice that he treats everyone he meets good. Now, he has the personality, the opposite, if he turned it loose. But he told me he reads the book a lot. And then he told me I needed to read it a lot too. Which was a very loving thing to say to me. Amen. 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 I understand. My wife said amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So having said that, I want you to go to 1 Samuel 15 with me. I want to look at Saul. And uh, I, want, I want to look at, we know Saul didn't do it right. But I want to look at what he did and why he did what he did. So you and I may can make adjustments. Now, even though Saul did it wrong... Aren't you glad we have 1 John 1, 9? Aren't you glad that we can read it and go, okay, I need to get that under the blood. And it, that was one. You didn't say amen, hallelujah. I want you to add about five minutes to the program. Now let's talk about you amening for a moment. Oh, I think we need to go down this road a minute. 
How many of y'all believe that the American church today needs teaching on living right? Yes. Yes. Listen, listen, just listen to me. We've got young people. They don't understand the ramifications of sex outside of marriage or, or homosexuality. They're getting an opposite, opposite picture out there. And I want you all to know that. When I'm preaching on living right, don't go quiet. That's a sign of guilt. Use your faith and shout. One of the reasons preachers quit preaching on sin is because it thins the church. If the church doesn't straighten up, forget, stop worrying about what the world's doing. If you're not going to hear truth, who's going to? Now, there's a difference in being beat up by the word. There's also another thing where you read something and go, Mm, I think I've been doing that myself. I think I'll change. So here's the reason why preachers don't preach on living right. Because Americans no longer go by truth. They go by how they feel. How did that sermon make me feel? I left today and I didn't feel very good. We're going to have to find another church. Are you all out there? Folks, love's not touchy. If you're a parent and you have kids, don't worry about how your kids feel. One of you's got to be an adult. You hurt my feelings. Come in the bedroom, I'm going to hurt the rest of your feelings. I had, my niece told me one time, uh, she came over to the house and she popped Ashley in the head with a baseball bat. A little baseball bat and kind of clunk and Ashley's going, oh! And I came over and I said, what just happened? And I saw Chastity glaring at me with this bat in her hand and she said, you whoop me, I'll tell my mom. I said, I'm going to whoop you and when your mom gets here, I'm going to whoop your mom. <laughs> and I took, her, I took her in the other room and I tanned her high. Now, I didn't beat her, but I whipped her good. I didn't tatty, tatty, tatty. I mean, I whipped her. And I said, do you ever do it again? This is going to increase, sweetheart. Did you know that when Nancy came to pick up Chastity, Nancy said, Chastity, do She said, no. I said, Chastity? She said, yes, sir. And she said, what did you do? I said, I did what you don't do. Don't shout me down. A good pastor will do what others don't do. Thank y'all. So we are going to study Saul, and I want to tell you this. I've read Saul, and I've made adjustments. So when we're reading it, if you need to make an adjustment, just get 1 John 1, 9 out. Get your rosary out, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Lisa hates when I do this. She goes, that is, that's so rude. Well, I'm working on my love walk, baby. I understand. Love's not rude. I'll put that under the blood. 1 Samuel 15, 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the Lord. Of, of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. Don't spare them. Kill man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now, when you read that, your immediate is, 
Boy, that's as brutal as it can get. So that's why people go, well, God is not a loving God. Maybe he is. Did you know that at the time that this was written, God had already told the children of Israel, don't judge the Amalekites yet. Their sin is not full. God patiently waited for them to repent and change. All right. By this time, there's homosexuality, bestiality. That means people having sex with animals. The disease in the camp is rampant. That means kids are being born with one eyeball on the side of their head. There's animals being born. They're all messed up. And disease is running rampant through the camp in the people and the animals. And there's only one way to get rid of the disease. You're going to have to wipe it out. All right, now, now let's talk about a doctor. doctor comes into a, a room and a man's got cancer in his body. And, it, you know, we know that, that the doctor loves you, but he's got to cut something out yeah. if you're going to live. God, every once in a while, has to cut something out in order to save the rest of the people on the planet. And so God is sending Saul to clean up a very wicked, corrupt mess. You will always know before judgment falls. Homosexuality and bestiality are always the sign God is about to put a stop. If you don't know that Jesus is coming back soon, turn on the news. When they say, we don't care what God says, God, does it. God loves you, but you're not coming up there with us. And it won't be long, he'll catch the church out, and he is going to clean the joint up. Okay? And, and, you know, if you're worried about the planet, let me go ahead and give you the 411 on it. God is going to smoke it, owl and all. So there is no saving the planet. When God gets finished, there will be no resemblance of anything that you see now when he's finished with it. And then he's going to make a new heaven, a new earth, and we're coming back, and it's going to be wonderful. And we will not have to worry about all the mess we're going through right now. But God is patient, and he's waiting on people. Amen. All right, having said that, I had to say that because people read and go, I told you he's a mean God. I told you he's just mean. And Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Telam, 200,000 foot soldiers, and came to the city of Amalek and lay siege in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, you better get out of here because we're fixing to kill everybody. Verse 7, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the siege and the sword. And Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. The oxen, fatlings, lambs, and all that was good, and unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless, worthless that they destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel and said, I regret that I have set up Saul as king. He has turned back from following me and not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. Put, stop right there what you're doing and put 1 John 5, 3 on the screen. Just put 1 John 5, 3 on the screen. This is the love of God. We keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I'm going to say something and y'all will go quiet. To the degree you obey God is the degree you love God. There is no faith without obedience. There isn't any. 
That's what separates you from the world. That's what makes you different than everyone else. It's not a matter of you going, well, I'm saved, but. No, there's no saved, but anywhere. You're saved, and the Bible is your book, and you're reading it to do it. Do you all understand that? You don't get to pick and choose what you think you like and don't like. See, whether you understand this or not, I think people need to start giving me royalties. I mean, I really do, because I've been accused of writing the book. When I'm preaching something, someone says, well, who do you think you are? You have no right to say that. I was reading. Just reading the scripture. But if you think I wrote it, I'll take the money. Never mind. I'm just trying to be a smart aleck because I'm working on my love walk. You can say, I think you, I think you really do need your love walk. I agree. Okay. Samuel, okay. I regret that I have set up Saul as king. He has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. It was told Samuel. Saul went to Carmel. Indeed, he set up a monument for himself. Aren't you the hot dog? And he, he has gone on around and passed by and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel went to Saul and said, Saul, blessed are the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Why is it that everybody disobeying God thinks they're doing okay? I'm a Christian. I go to church sometimes. And Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen I hear? And Saul said, they. Who's They. I thought you were the king. They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep. Let's stop. Is this called casting blame? Is this the blame game going on? Well, it ain't my fault. You know that woman you gave me? It's her fault. That started in the garden. One of the very first things we need to start looking at on our love walk is there's only one person that needs to be living for God to get God to bless them, and that's you. Amen. Don't worry about what everybody is and isn't doing. But the fact that he didn't obey God, so we're going to learn something right here about this man. He is a people pleaser. All right, you want to write this down someplace, you're going to need it. You're either pleasing people or you're pleasing God, but you cannot do both. And you will never please God accidentally. You will do it on purpose. You'll go, this is what he said and this is what I'm going to do. You will always gravitate to what people think. Who put him in the, the seat of being king? The people or God? What does it matter what people do? What does it matter to you and I? What everybody else in the nation is doing. What does that matter to you? Now, Lisa quoted a scripture a while ago. Let's mentally go over there. If God is for me, who can be against me? In other words, if, if you're obeying God, there's not a human or a demon in hell that can keep you down. 
because if you obey God, He's going to take you up. But if you disobey God, He's going to make sure you go down. This lukewarm Christianity mess, I wish we'd look at some young adults and say, that never has worked. That means you're smarter than God. Now, I'm only 67, but you've insulted my intelligence because I think I need him. Never mind. Let's come back to this. Are y'all okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, breathe. If you need, I'll read another Dr. Seuss, get you laughing again, but not, we're going. All right. I love reading this for my own sake. I, I, I love reading the Bible because there's times, I call the Bible weed and feed. Some scriptures weed me, some scriptures feed me. Some of them pull weeds. I go, ouch, 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 ouch. Okay, thank you, Jesus, I like that one. Never mind. There's none of this in anybody's promise boxes. You've never flipped through and said, and Saul. <laughs> the people spared the best of the flock, and the rest we utterly destroyed. And Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. Shut up. He is brutal. He needs this book. And I'm going to tell you what the Lord said last night. He said, speak on. It's a bad attitude. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you to be king? And now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until, until they're consumed. Why did you not obey the voice of God? Why did you swoop on the spoil? Why did you do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Come on, y'all. Do you realize that there's only 20% of Christians that obey God? You, do y'all want to know what percentage of people tithe that are born again? Six. And they're going, God, what's wrong with our nation? I, I got some more things I want to say. When did praying in the Holy Ghost become optional? Folks, obeying God is not an option. This is not a car. I mean, sometimes we need to look in the Bible and go, oops, that's me. I better make some adjustments right now. You know how you can tell you're proud? When someone calls you proud, you say, I'm not. Because a humble person always says, really? I need to look at that. You know how I know? Never mind. Let me, give, let me say something we all need to hear. Sometimes go read stuff that bothers you. Listen to CDs you don't like. I got a hold of a series one time by Keith Moore on, on humility. And I'm just going to tell you this. It is not about humility. It's about pride. But you can't put on there overcoming pride because nobody would buy it. 
And I'm going to tell you, it was all I could do to get through the first tape. I mean, he had messed up the polish on my shoes so bad. I mean, I'm taking notes on papers, and I'm going, oh, God, help me, Jesus. And by the end of it, I thought, I'm going to hell when I die. I'm going to hell. I'm not even going to make heaven, you know. And then finally, when I got to the bottom of the CD, I said this out loud. Lisa needs this. And then when I plugged him back in, he said, don't ever say your spouse needs this. That's pride. And I said, shut up, Keith. Dear God. <laughs> but you know what? I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to continue to do wrong. I want to know. I want to know. I want a mirror. I want to, if there's mud on my face, I want to see it. Because I can't get rid of it if I don't know it's there. Amen? So Saul is going to show us flesh. He's going to show us what it's like, for, you know, what, what, it, what carnal Christianity is. And I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to pay attention. Then we're going to go to David, and then you're going to be happy for the rest of the service. I think. Well, some people never have about nothing anyway, so. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission. The Lord sent me and brought back Agag, the king of the Amalek, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder. Not my fault, the sheep and the oxen, the best of things. Why would they want to sacrifice something to God that he told them not to bring? Do you think God's accepting this? Okay. You know, he doesn't want all the money you've made. Some of it you made it wrong. Don't tithe on the money you made out of the will of God. Okay. The people took the plunder, and it should have utterly destroyed. And so Samuel said, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He's rejected you from being king. Now, understand this. We're not talking about whether Saul went to heaven or hell. And let's don't even go down that road. But didn't the, doesn't the Bible say in Romans 5 that he's made us kings and priests unto God? Yes. Is there a connection to being ruling and reigning in life to obedience? Yes, yes there is. Yes, there is. And a lot of times, the very thing that you're believing God for, you're not going to get it because you're not doing what he told you to do. All right. Here's, here's one more thing before we go to David. You're going to work on yourself all your life. You're, you're, he's not done with you. He's got things he's talking to me about, and he's been talking to me about me for 45 years. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. So having said that, Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And, and I've had young people come to me and go, well, I'm an intellectual. No, you're not. You're battling wits with God. You're not smart at all. It's not your brain that's hindering you. It's your sin that's hindering you. You just don't want to obey. You don't want to do what he says. The reason you don't read your Bible is you don't want to. The reason you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, you don't want to. The reason you don't tithe, you don't want to. It's you. It's not your circumstances. It's not America. The reason you don't like people is you. Thank y'all. 
Lisa and I showed her this picture of a schoolroom, and it, and it had a, 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 a bulletin board, and it says, the person responsible for your grades. And it had a mirror. <laughs> this is in a schoolroom. And then there was another mirror, and over it says, the person responsible for your attitude. And it's a mirror. What was the other thing on there? there was for your success. The person who's responsible for your success. Folks, we have to quit blaming everybody for where you are. You suck it up, buttercup, it's you. Amen. Amen. Now, having said that, let's go look at the good guy now. Everybody say, amen, let's go. Woo, I survived that. All right, 1 Samuel 24. Oh, I love it. Now, David, I love David. What a guy. Can't wait to meet him when I get to heaven. There's a lot of people I want to meet when I get to heaven. Paul's one of them. David's another one. Naturally, everybody wants to meet Jesus. I do too, naturally. Samuel, 1 Samuel 24. Uh, I just went past it. Verse 1, it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, it was told him, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And Saul took 3,000 men to go look for one guy. Really? Thank you. And all of Israel, looks like the government right now is just so, so much. I'm just so much parallel between Washington and right now. Just why well, you want to get all these soldiers to keep, protect you from Trump. And then he put them in the hotel to take care of them. Uh, Father, forgive me for going political. When Saul took 3,000 chosen men from Israel and went to see David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats, and he came to the sheepfolds by the road, and there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs, going to the bathroom. And David and his men were staying in the recesses at the back of the cave. And the men of David said, This is the day the Lord said, Behold, I'm going to deliver your enemy into your hand, that he may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose secretly and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. All right, now let's, let's talk about David here for a moment. First of all, Saul's the king. We're going to start seeing that David has a great deal of honor for him, even though he's hunting him to kill him. We're also going to, and then I'm going to ask you, do you know why? First of all, I did a study not too long ago during Christmas on shepherds. The shepherd is the lowest person on the totem pole. It is not something you want to put on your resume if you want to go somewhere. They were sort of a little below what we call trash people, trash collectors. No one wanted to be a shepherd. Those are the people. Those are the, they're just nothing else you could do with these people. So you give them a bunch of sheep, send them out among the rocks, and let them take care of the animals. And you just sit on a rock all day and do nothing, which is pretty much what they do. So during the time of the, of the Christmas story, the reason God showed up for the shepherds is because those are the most overlooked people in Israel. Yeah. And he said, listen, we're not even going to take this down to Jerusalem. We're just going to put this on for the shepherds. So David was a shepherd, which means that in the eyes of society, he was the lowest of low. Now, here's the other part of it. David's family was the poorest in Israel. And even in his own family, they didn't acknowledge David. So he's the black sheep 
of a bad family. <laughs> Anybody in here go, I understand that completely. So that when Samuel shows up at the house to anoint a king, the dad brings all of the soldiers, all of the Navy SEALs, all of the big, handsome muscle guys out, and then when, and, and, he, and he, surely the king is here. Even the prophet said, surely one of these boys has got to be the next king. And when he got to the end of them, they hadn't found the king yet. And they said, is there another one? And they all went, no. Are you serious? Somebody go get him. Now that was the, the mentality of what they thought of David. But God anoints him to be king. And as a matter of fact, his mentality of himself is so low that after the prophet anointed him, he went back out and started taking care of the sheep. He doesn't know what, he doesn't even know what just happened to him. So you need to understand, he is not, he does not have an aspiration to be a king. So his dad calls him one day and says, I need you to take cheese and bread to your brothers at the field. And so he goes up to deliver breads. He's just a servant, treating him like a servant. And when he gets there, that's when he sees the giant and goes, why isn't someone taking this guy's head off? And his brothers got mad at him and said, well, little punk, go take care of the sheep. And y'all know the rest of the story. We don't need to get into it. David kills Goliath, and guess what he does? He goes back to take care of the sheep. Finally, Saul calls him in there, and, and he starts working in the, in the um, castle with him. And then Saul gets, gets a wild hair, and now he's after David, trying to kill David. David has, he's like, what in the world are y'all doing? All right, now we're going to see something about him. And I'm going to say it right here. David has one aspiration in life, to please God. That's all he has going for him. But in the eyes of God, it's all God needs. He doesn't need brains. He doesn't need strength. He needs heart. Now, we're going to get into the love book in a minute. Now, you understand why when he says in here, bless your enemies, bless those who curse you, you're going to understand that if you have an, an elevated opinion of yourself, you won't do that. Okay, this is good. Y'all are quiet, but this time it's good because I can hear you thinking. I smell sawdust burning. I know something's going on in your head. <laughs> I'm trying to walk in love, okay? It happened afterwards, David's heart troubled him because he had cut off Saul's robe. He, his heart is bothering him on what he did. I read that and went, kill him. <laughs> I mean, my heart wouldn't be bothering I cut off your robe, you sorry, good for nothing thing. They'd have found your carcass in the cave, Jack. <laughs> That's why I'm reading this book. Anyway. <laughs> and Saul said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, and stretch out my hand against him, seeing he's the Lord's anointed. He's being serious. He's not joking here. He's not being a smart aleck. 
He is honoring the king. And he sees himself as being, well, I'm not the king. And, and I know one thing, God don't, don't touch him, God don't like it. He's not afraid of Saul, but he is afraid of God. And David restrained his servants and those who did not allow to rise into Saul. And he got out of the cave. And David arose and went out to the cave. And look at what he does. Called out and said, Saul, my Lord and my king. And Saul looked behind him. And David fell on his face on the ground. Say humble. humble. Is this what Jesus meant? Are y'all out there or did you go home? You know... David is, all David cares about is what does God think. So we see that God is going to promote him, but in a minute you're going to see why he promoted him because then we're going to read in here what it takes to get promoted. Do y'all want to, can I read it? Are y'all okay? Okay. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges. It'll hardly even notice when other people do it wrong. This is not an easy book to read. But we're, I'm looking at David going, Shandai. Because all of us have seen people do things and we're going, you ain't doing that to me. That's not love. Yeah. You, 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 you ain't getting away with that. Yeah, they are. Unless you give it to God and let him take care of it. In other words, David had the attitude, God will take care of you. It's none of my business. So let me say this in the middle of my wonderful sermon. There's a lot of things going on in this church. They're none of your business. Have you heard about so-and-so? It's none of my business. Why don't you talk about people the way you want to be talked about? I want people to believe in me when I screw up. Folks, I screw up. And I've asked Lisa, don't say nothing till Tuesday. (laughs) The other night when she came home, she was preaching on Wednesday night, and I said, can I tell you what you did wrong? She goes, not until Thursday. She said, I beg you, don't tell me what I did wrong. And I said, nothing, it was perfect. She goes, oh, I'm going to kiss you. I said, hey, man, that's worth it. (laughs) We're going to get into one of the points in here. And let me tell you, the greatest way to influence people is to believe in them. It doesn't take a lot of depth to find fault. It takes a lot of character to see the good in people when they're not doing so good. That's true. Amen. Amen. It takes a lot of character to see good in yourself. Yes. And you know what? You don't want to go to a church where everybody goes, there they are. You're like, I'll find another place to go. Okay, thank you, Zach. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is good, isn't it? Aren't you glad I'm reading this book? Don't you wish Lisa was? No, I'm teasing. She actually is reading it. She is reading it. I'm teasing. Okay. All right. All right. What is, let's, where are we? Where are we? Um, verse, verse 9. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of me and to say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? 
Look, this day as your eyes have seen the Lord delivered you in, into my hand, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I'm not stretching my hand out against the Lord. He's the Lord's anointed. Listen to his heart. My father, my father. So the, the honor, he's trying to kill him. And you can't get him off of honor for nothing. Now, he's going to show you why. See, the corner of your robe in my hand, I cut it off in the corner of your robe. I could have killed you. And there's no rebellion in me. I haven't done anything against you. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand, I, I will never be against you. Sounds like a New Testament scripture, doesn't it? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those. You know, a lot of times when people are acting ugly, there's a war going on in them. And what they need is love, and you need to be secure. They're not against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. By the hand shall be against you. After whom the king of Israel come out. Who's the king coming out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog or a flea? He's being serious. Mm -hmm. King Saul, listen. I'm no one for you to be concerned about. Yeah. So let's go back and look at this. Why is Saul out to kill him? Because God's got his hand on him. Do you think Saul is going to stop the will of God by killing David or trying to? No. You're not, you're not going to get promoted because you eliminate the people around you you don't like. If God is not for you, you're not going up. <laughs> we need to... The whole, the whole America needs to hear this right now. I've, I've never been a slave trader. I didn't put anybody in chains. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and, and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. And so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is that your voice, my son, David? How is he responding? Very kindly. A soft answer turns wrath. Had, I told you the story the other day, and I walked into one of the pastor's meetings, and one of the men looked at me and said, Pastor Morgan, you are mean. And I wanted to say something. But I had been reading my book. And I went down the list in my head, if God is for me, who could be against me? There might be a little bit of truth to that, but it's none of your business. Amen. And I looked at him and I said, well, you just don't know me. Amen. And then I paid for his lunch. And I walked out and I went, Shandai. I did it. <laughs> you know how that feels? And then I read, love doesn't brag, so I couldn't tell anybody <laughs> until now. And I just sinned. No. <laughs> and he said to David, you're more righteous than I am. You have rewarded me with good, whereas I rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day that you have dealt well with me. 
And when the Lord delivers me in your hand, you didn't kill me. For if a man finds an enemy, will he let him away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done. And now I know that you will be king. David doesn't even know he's going to be king. (laughs) He's kind of heard it. But one thing about it is he's not trying to do everything to get there. If If God's given you a promise... You're going to have to let God do it. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say one more thing about this right now. Just listen to me very carefully. People will be ugly to you. It is a trap from Satan to stop you. Don't yield to it. Gerald Brooks made a statement one time. He says, what you bless cannot harm you. I have spent too much of my life fighting with people who don't like me. I don't do it anymore. Brother, I learned from Brother Hagin, and I, I watched him, because here's a man that God told him to go teach my people faith, and you want to talk about the Christians in this nation that have attacked this man. Mm-hmm. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, um, a po- pros- head of the prosperity cult, and he has never retaliated at all. So I'm going to tell y'all a story. Who was the one in the car with him that day? Um, yeah, when he was talking to Brother Hagen, it was oh. Patsy's husband. Was it Tony Caminetti? Tony was driving Brother Hagen around, taking him to meetings. And at that time, the, the Christian side of America was attacking the faith movement, the prosperity movement. And so Tony was up there, and, and he had been reading it, and it was bothering him. And he turned to Dad, and he said, Dad, have you heard what they said about you? And he didn't even respond. And um, Tony just kept pushing, kept pushing. And the, and the joke is, Tony's the only person that's ever made Kenneth Hagin mad. <laughs> he's riding around, and he's talking to Brother Hagin about what people say and what people are saying. And Brother Hagin hollered from the back seat, I am not God! And Tony shut up. In other words, I don't care what they think. Amen. Come on. And he hollered, I mean, and somebody said, that's the first time they'd ever heard Brother Hagin holler at anybody. He says, I'm not God, and it's none of my business what they say. I'm doing what he told me to do. Are you all out there? You and I, hello, thank you. This is so good. When you learn this, you start realizing all you and I ever had to do was just do what he said. Leave the results to God. You don't have to push. Do y'all remember when a church moved in next door to us in the shopping center? Big church. Did you know we went from a large church to a small church in one Sunday? Did you know the pastor there said he was going to run my donkey out of town? Well, he didn't say that. He said something else when I'm not, you know. You know what I did? Nothing. I didn't call me. I didn't start this church, not my church. But I did go to God. I said, your son said this, and I will never say a word about him. I won't fright him. I won't confront him. I'll get up next Sunday and preach. And I'm going to leave this to you. I said, I am going to ask one request. Move him out of Apopka. That's pretty powerful when you're a guy with 80 people and you just moved a huge church out. 
I said, it's my request. You can do what you want to. See, I've never, let me go back and say, let's go over this a little bit. When I was in Haiti, the Lord said to me, I want you to take that church. I had no ambition to pastor a church. I didn't even think I could. My, everybody's told me since the day I got saved, you may be anything, but you're not a pastor. And I agree with him. I even had a man warn me, whatever you do, don't pastor. And I said, don't worry, I won't. So when the Lord says that to me, I'm like, are you starting to fight, God? Now, now Betty May will tell you this is true, and there's, Sandy will tell you this is true. When, when they came and asked me, I told the Lord, I will not buck anyone for a position. I won't do it. Either you're God or you are not. And they will tell you that men were fighting for it. And I told them, I'm not your pastor, don't ask me. And they said, we know you're not a pastor and we won't. And then I walked away and I said, okay, God, now you do it. I don't want a job that if God, if God can't put you in a position, you don't, if you want to be a pastor, you're sick. This is the hardest job I have ever had in my life. And, and I don't work. I don't hit a, I'm, I don't punch out. I'm on call 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a week. I'm pastor. I literally died the day I said yes to this church. I don't get to pick to leave. I've asked. Can I leave? Everybody else is. The Lord said, why? And I said, I don't like the pastor. But I needed to do that for my soul. I needed to know that God is God. I needed to know that. So here's the way I say it, and, and I'm half joking, but it's half true. I said, whenever you're looking for someone, and you don't have someone that Sunday, call me. See, I'm taking my pilot's license, and it costs me $50 for an hour in the air. That's $28 for the airplane and like $15 for the pilot. And they always fly over an hour, so about 50 bucks would handle that. And so the church paid me $50 to come fill in until they found someone. So they'd call me. We hadn't found anybody. Will you be there? I said, I'll be there Sunday. And, I, and then they'd say, we don't need you next Sunday. We have someone. I said, okay, and I'd leave. I didn't worry about it even a bit. God already said I was pastor. Amen. So finally one day... They can't call me up and says, would you come preach? And, uh, and I said, okay. And they said, preach next Sunday too. I said, okay. And so after two Sundays, they said, will you preach next Sunday? I said, yeah. And I said, y'all are still, y'all are looking, aren't you? They said, we're still looking. And I remember I asked Marshall about five years after that. I said, you're still looking. He says, we're still looking. <laughs> if you didn't know Marshall, Marshall's quite a man, quite a good man. But in all reality, I had to know, I had to know, I don't have to fight to be where God wants me. You do not have to fight people to go anywhere. Remember Jesus on the cross? He said, listen, 
I could call the angels. They'd put a stop to this. You can call. God will put a stop to it if you say. Isn't this good? There's one more story, and I don't, I'm, I'm out of time. Later, we find out that David comes back to the town with his 400 men, and... Um, the enemy had come in and taken their wives and kids and burned the city down. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that David and his men wept until they had no more tears. And all of the men talked about stoning David. You know what David did? Got on his face. Mm-hmm. Said, God, what do I do? He just lost his family, and he's seeking God. Mm-hmm. And God said, Pursue. You get it all back. That was right before they made him king. All of his life, he passed every test that was thrown at him. And not one time did he ever, did he ever get his heart hard toward God. And all he ever wanted to do was please God. And so God said, David is a man after my heart. When this, you got to have a heart to please God or you will not do this. Now, we have people who come to church every Sunday, and there's people who come in, they don't read their Bible, they don't pray, they don't even come half the time. They don't have a heart to God. They will reap what they sow. Leave them alone. Pray, hopefully, they'll, they'll hit a wall, and they'll wake up and go, there's a God, and I'm not him. But in, in the meantime, love them. And don't worry about what everybody else does, but, but, but I've decided to, to do something. I think that if we're going to be known as a church, I, I like that we're a faith church, that we have the gifts of the Spirit in here, but what did he say about that? I want to be known as a church where people walk through those doors and go, that's the lovingest bunch of people I've ever been around in my life. I want to have six acres of no condemnation in here. I want people to know they walk in those doors, they'll meet love. Are you all ready to work on it with me? Okay. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. What a great, what a great uh, story in the Bible. And, and thank you that you showed us what David was like. And David was not a perfect man by any means. And neither are we. And you have not asked us to be perfect. You have asked us to have a perfect heart. While I was preaching, there may have been a few scriptures I read and people went, oops. That's fine, okay. Father, we have the blood and I thank you for the blood. And I pray that this church with me, because I want a move of God above all else. I want a move of God in this church above everything else. We will not have it as long as we're acting like Saul. We're going to have to start being a lot more like David. And I'm asking that the people in this church would hook up with me. And we would pursue love. We would get hot, red hot for you be obedient to the Word of God. If we mess up, we know you'll pick us up. I also know and believe that just the fact that our heart turns to you, you start treating us as though we were already doing it. And I know that you'll answer prayers today, not because we're perfect, but because we've turned our heart to you to walk in love. Father, I pray over marriages right now, if there's men and women in here and and things hadn't been going well at home. I pray that each individual person would look at their own life, leave their spouse alone a while, 
First of all, realize you love them unconditionally. And then they'll start giving away the love you gave them. The way every one of us in this room, if we're going through trouble with people right now, that you would take us back and show us how to act and how to live like you, how to be more like Jesus. Father, I believe there's healing for us. I believe there's prosperity for us. I believe that Abraham's blessings are for us. It will not happen aside from obedience. And so I thank you for this message today. And we're all going to be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you all to say, if God is for me, who? Say it again. Who? Say who. So you all like Dr. Seuss too, right? <laughs> I had to do that. I'm sorry. I just had to do that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Therefore, if God so loved us, what's it say? Beloved, we also ought to love one another. Amen. We love people not because they deserve it. We love them and God loves us not because we deserve it. He loves us because He's love. He's chosen to love us because he wants us not because we're great not because he had to have us but he wants a family amen and so we're to treat other people that way see people as they can become they may not become that but see them as they become but a lot of them will if you believe in them there's a lot of people out there that that you don't believe in but if you start believing in them they'll start changing because love never fails amen Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he said, we know you're from God. He was the head of the head of the head of the Pharisees. We know you're from God because you do signs and wonders. We can't do those things. And Jesus looked at him and said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said, what do you mean? How do I get back in my mother's belly as a 50 something year old man? He's thinking naturally. How do I get back and, and be born again? Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born of water, that's the first birth, because little baby's floating around in your belly in water, and the woman's water breaks, and out comes the baby. Unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot be born again. So this morning, if you never remember a day or a time where you said, Jesus, we know you were born once because you're here, but if you can never remember a time where you said, Jesus, Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for taking my sins. He forgave all sin. But just because he forgave your sin doesn't mean that you're saved unless you appropriate it and reach out in faith and say, oh, I accept it. And so if you're here this morning, you never remember a time where you accepted what Jesus did for you, where you accepted that love death, that love death, and he rose again come on up here and as my altar workers are coming forward come on up here and they will pray with you this morning and if you have need for any other reason any other thing any other prayer the bible says whatever you ask the father jesus said in john 16 whatever you ask the father in my name he'll give it to you because the father himself loves you because you love me and believe I came forth from him.
The Father loves you and He wants to give you everything you desire, the desires of your heart. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.